and welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, special episode, my colleague Joel, a couple, last week, recorded a webcast with four alumni from the April 2021 conference. And basically, you know, all four of them at the time were still in their follow-up interview process. By the time this, and at this point in the game, they've all received offers for employment. By the time this goes live, my suspicion is they all will have accepted offers and are, you know, closed the chapter on the search and looking forward to that, those start dates here in the next month or six weeks. And so, you know, even though we did the podcast and you have access to this through our website and other meetings, we wanted to also put it on the podcast. We just think that their insight fresh off the conference, still in the follow-up interview process. Their insight is just super helpful. So Joel leads them through a conversation. Um, If you want more, I I actually only took the audio from the interview with the officers. If you want to know a little bit more about the statistics from the conference, some of the companies that were there, you can grab that that full webcast from your profile at cameronhackenbrooks.com. Anyway, so I'm going to turn it over for Joel uh, to Joel and let him uh, let him guide these recent Cameron Brooks alumni through a conversation about their experience at the April 2021 conference. And so here we go. There's a lot of power in the opportunity to evaluate a, a lot of different options. Um, and, and I'd like the, the alum can certainly talk about that next, but we believe that by looking at a lot of different options, you're a lot, you get to compare and ultimately make a good choice. I guess I'd share a story with you, an uh, officer, um, Navy officer that was trying to determine whether or not camera looks would be right for him. And he was asking me lots of questions about what we do, why we do it the way we do. And he said, this is, he, and he played basketball at the Naval Academy. And I said, let's just back up for a second here. Um, what's one of the best decisions that you ever made in your life? And he said, oh, choosing to go to the Naval Academy by far was one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I said, that's okay. That's great. What made it the best decision? So, oh my gosh, do I learned so much. I built my network. I had phenomenal experiences. The education I received, I got to play basketball. I said, I'm curious, your brother went to Yale and your sister went to Stanford, a smart family, obviously. And I said, and you were, what was important to you? Why did you ultimately choose the Naval Academy? He's like, well, I wanted, didn't want to burden my parents with, um, with debt and have to pay for my schooling. Um, so I wanted to have a scholarship too. I wanted to play division one basketball. I wanted a great education. And I, I figured, you know, I did want to do something related to service. I said, boy, you got a lot of competing requirements. I, I know. So how many basketball coaches did you meet with? I met with 50. And how did you get it? What did you do then? Well, then I went and visited eight or nine schools. I saw MIT. I went and saw some of these other schools you mentioned. And in the end, when I went to the Naval Academy and I met with them, talked to the coach, just like that, this just meets everything that I'm looking for. And I said, I'm just out of curiosity. How important is the decision for where you go to work coming out of the military? Oh, just equal. So why would you use the same kind of, why would you use the same model and it's, it works to, to when you're doing a career search versus going to find just one thing or two things 
why not go interview with a lot? There's no search that's going to be able to show you everything. But if you want to get out there and see a lot and compare and to be able to see like what might be the best fit, I wonder, again, talking to these alum, are they considering things that they never even thought they would consider before? I'd be curious what they have to say when we pull them and when they come here and be a panelist. But we hear that I hear that a lot. And I've been doing this almost 22 years now. But what's the why of all this? I get to ask this question a lot. And I don't know if this is relevant to you. This has been on my mind. Joe, why do you guys do this? Well, it can be said in a lot of different ways. Big, bigger way we say what we the way I say it is that we help take great leaders with leadership experience and loads of leadership potential from the military. So you got late, great leadership experience, but no business experience and great leadership potential and help you get into the leadership track into corporate America. And I don't mean just find your first or second job. To get that, that leadership track, you got to get three or four years of success under your belt. And we do that by helping you avoid the do-overs. And you avoid the do-overs because, you know, what I mean by do-overs is go to work for a company a year or two and quit. Go to another company for a year or two and quit. Statistically, 78% of our alum are with their original company within five years. We did a survey off of uh, 2016. That was only four. And it was at 78% for that year with the average 10-year being at 48 or 42 months. So three to five years of post-transition, they built that success. So that's the why. So last week I had a, a, another JMO interviewing with me. So how come... What is it that you want Kim Brooks to do? He's like, Joel, I, I need help with my resume. I want help preparing to interview. I need you to teach me some things about business. And I know you have some access to some companies. You guys might be thinking, hey, Joel, that's great. Good. You should probably take, take that candidate. And I said to him, hey, listen, if that's all you want us to do, maybe you should just reevaluate whether or not we're right for you or not. Because in the end, that's not my ultimate goal of why I do what I do. I want you to help you transition your leadership into corporate America and get on that leadership track. And it was just mincing words, but I really wanted you to think about this transition a little bit differently and our partnership differently. Lastly, I distill it down into, into something even different. And I know this sounds kind of over the top, but I truly mean this. We change lives. And if you want to leave the military, and you want to, and you want to have it like a nice and a big change, and you want to change your life. I don't know it, it, whatever it means to you, but it means you get into a happy, successful career. And that's my goal. That's what we want to do. That's our why. And we're looking for people, whether it be I want to get on that leadership track in corporate America. I want to avoid the the do overs. I want to compare my options. Or you know what? Yeah, I don't need my life drastically changed. I'm not going to change your DNA, but I want to change the way I look at my work. I want to change my upside potential. I want a better quality of life. That's what I want to do. And I want to partner with people that, and our company wants to partner with people who want to do that. So with all that, you, we've got our alumni. So I'm going to go left to right on my camera. So that's going to start with Jason McCarty. So Jason, just tell the group a little bit about you. Um, that are, you know, we've got people that are coming into the program, uh, are considering us. We've got people that are coming to the next conference. We've got a gamut of people that are in the process. So thanks for being here, Jason. 
Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Jason McCarty. Um, I'm a former infantry officer, transitioned into cyber in 2016, and I took part in the April conference. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. I partnered with Cameron Brooks pretty late. I came in in January and then got ready for the April conference. So it was about a, a three-month turnaround, but I couldn't be happier with my experience. If there's anyone who's on the fence, I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to uh, open your eyes and see the opportunities that are out there for you absolutely you know make the leap go with cameron brooks because they've been a fantastic partner to me i've i can't be more positive about my experience here but you know looking forward to answering any questions that you guys have and share my experience thanks jason uh janice hi everyone i'm uh janice kelly i'm a captain in the air force i'm a force support officer and i actually partnered with cameron brooks at the beginning of 2020 originally. And then the pandemic hit and kind of got gold, cold feet, didn't know if I was gonna get out or not. Um, and I uh, rejoined that relationship at the beginning of this year. And um, kind of like what Jason said, the experience was incredible. And I'm happy to be here tonight to speak with all of you. Thanks, Janice. Dorothy. Hi, I'm Dorothy Crable. I'm an uh, Army Signal Officer um, stationed at Fort Hood. I partnered with Cameron Brooks like October of last year um, and really got into preparation probably around February um, coming up to the conference. Um, honestly, it was, a, it was a lot of work on my part to make sure that I was ready for the conference, but a super educational and exciting experience overall. Very good. Thanks, Dorothy. Dave, I think you turned off your video camera and turned it back on so you could be last or something like that. You pop, you moved, you moved on my screen. No, no, I, I accidentally hit the wrong button. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, hey, everybody, I'm Dave Adams. I'm a aviation uh, army aviation turned acquisitions officer. Uh, I partnered with Cameron and books starting last July, I think. And so I had a, I had a good, decent road, you know, runway to, to get ready. Uh, and it was great I, I, without uh, I know we'll get into it a little bit more uh, with the Q&A session, but uh, just to, to echo what everyone else said, it's been a great experience. Uh, probably the highlight for me was getting paired up with uh, with some other some other folks that were going through the process and doing some some preparation in small group sessions. I, I think we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But no, it's it's been great. And then the opportunities that they brought to the table. You know, I'm uh, for those of you who are a slightly older in your career. So, you know, if you're 10 plus years. Uh, and you're making the transition. Uh, I can answer questions that that are directed in that because uh, you know, I'm a, a junior major, so making the transition a little bit later than the average. So if you have any questions uh, particular to that, um, I was very satisfied with the options that were presented. I know that was one of my big concerns coming in. Um, so, but yeah, we can get more into that later. Happy to be here, Dave. We will probably just go right to that because I do hear that a lot, and it's actually a topic that. We have not necessarily addressed in some of these, and I'll get there in a minute. I do want to make a comment for those of you that are Marine Corps and Navy officers. We do have those as well. I just got turned down tonight for somebody's mother's birthday, and another one had an MRI that were in the in the Navy and the Marine Corps. So we ended up with uh, three air, uh, three Army and one Air Force. So I just want to make that point out there. But I want to go ahead and, and just because you opened it up, David, I'd like you to go. And Jason's a little bit more senior, I think, as well that I do get a lot for from people like, well, you're a junior officer firm. Everybody's going to interview for the same thing. It's the same salaries as cookie cutter jobs. 
I'm more senior. Well, I get to see these things and I'm always like, well, wait a second. Everybody's got their, everybody gets their own unique interview schedule based on their background. We've got a, a variety of positions for different years of experience, different communication styles, different education. And so I'd love for you just to color that in, Dave, kind of what you what you thought coming and what you found. Yeah, you know, I think those were some of my first conversations with Pete Van Epps when I started the relationship was, hey, you know, I'm probably on the right side of the bell curve on, on the average, uh, you know, experience level for officers coming into the program. And, uh, you know, Joel, just like you mentioned, the, the I was very satisfied with the lineup. Um, they, they were targeted more towards, uh, you know, not obviously not senior officers, but mid-grade officers. Uh, but then also uh, a, a dynamic that I didn't quite expect, but was very pleasantly surprised as I went into the second round interviews was, you know, these are big companies. None of these are, are these aren't mom and pop shops. So uh, like Johnson & Johnson, for example, w- without getting into the specifics, um, they, during my secondary interviews and some conversations, you know, just on the side after those, um, when they were expressing deeper interest, they have other opportunities. So if they're if they're really impressed with your specific background and they have something that wasn't necessarily on the job sheet, and they're like, hey, you know, we 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 have other we have these other needs in the business. We weren't expecting someone with your, you know, we were expecting maybe you know the average to be a seven eight year officer. Not to say that that's not a guarantee that your experience is going to be the same, but these are big companies with lots with lots of holes to fill. Uh, and they're always looking for for good talent. So I, um, I I would say that's probably not uh, that's probably not going to be an atypical experience either. So if if you are one of the the folks that, and you're wondering you're on the fence, and the reason why you're on the fence is because you're 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 beyond seven or eight years, don't let that be uh, don't let that be the reason why you don't partner uh, with the firm. It's it's been a really good experience. Thanks, Dave. Janice. Um, I'll go to you first. Is there, before I ask you a question, is there a topic, if you could talk to Janice Kelly, March 15th, if you will, or maybe pandemic where you're like, oh, I don't know. What would you tell that person that's out there kind of on the fence or about what you now know, at least this part way through your search? Yeah, I would. I uh, was just thinking about this. I definitely would have told myself uh, to trust yourself and and who you are and trust Cameron Brooks because uh, you guys, Joel, know us very well. Um, I didn't realize how far in you guys really dig into our records and our personalities um, and our, our skill sets. And uh, I think it's very unnerving and stressful transitioning out of the military because you don't know how your skill set is going to transition or speak to um, corporate America. But Cameron Brooks does. And uh, you all did a really good job of, you know, Joel and I had some conversations and I was like, I'm really nervous. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this. And he told me a couple of times, like, You've got to trust us. We we see your skill set and we know how to align you, and um, that ended up being very true for me. I think I have a I have a problem making people more nervous. As somebody told me, I'm the enforcer, so I guess uh, I make people pretty nervous. Um, but yeah, Janice did great, you guys. I remember that conversation really well, um, and I was just because I want to comment on that. The, 
it's natural to be nervous, very natural. This is important. It's an unknown. And in the end, if you've partnered with Cameron Brooks, you've got a track record. And you just got to stand on that track record. And I remember the conversation with Denise. I remember actually walking up and down our foyer in our in our office. And she's just got to have this. You and I are having this conversation right now. We're just bantering back and forth. And that's what you're going to do in these interviews. So I'd like to turn that over to Dorothy. Kind of you pick up. What is what is interviewing like at the career conference? And maybe I need to know because. I haven't had been able to sit in. What what actually happens traditionally, typically in these interviews? So I would say they are super conversational, right? You're talking to real people. They, you know, you might be talking to an HR recruiter or someone that actually works in the office. You might potentially be hired to work for. So they want to actually get to know you in addition to asking questions about your resume and your experience. Um, so you know, most of the interviews. You're going to get out of them enjoying that conversation because they're, you know, really excited that you're there and interested in their company. And you're really excited to find out the best things about, you know, company X, Y, and Z. Um, so it was really fun, you know, after if you talk to someone that you like and you talk to someone that, you know, has goals aligned with you, um, each one of those interviews felt like a fun conversation where you're almost learning about them at the same time. Um, so conversational interviews were fun. <laughs> how do you, how does, how do you, would you recommend somebody get ready for conversational interviews? Like with, you use our program, but you also got the study. It's like, what would your advice be to get ready for a conversational interview? Here are some of the to do's, if you will. Um, I would say, you know, the workbooks, you work through them, you write through a lot of it, but you're not going to memorize everything that happens or everything that you did up to that point. Um, so I think an immense amount of introspection up to the conference is super important because nobody knows you better than you. And, you know, you are going to get a question that's not in the workbook and, you know, it might be something they picked up on your resume or, you know, you might mention, oh, I'm here, um, or I'm in Austin while you're doing the interview and they tell a story or whatever. So I think just be prepared to have a real conversation and know yourself um, as much because up until I started the workbook and started doing practice, um, you know, mock interviews with the, the cohort, I thought I knew, knew myself really, really well, but you, you realize pretty quickly that you don't. <laughs> Does anybody see some people nodding? I don't know if any of the three of you have, have any advice on the conversational interview and how to prepare for it. Yeah, I, I would also say you can practice in your everyday interactions. So the workbooks um, have you kind of hone in on some of your nonverbals and the way that you ask questions and how you show interest. Uh, and so do some of the podcasts. And so you can practice that in your everyday interactions and just kind of read people and see how they respond to you. And I found that to be really beneficial as well. Good, Jason. You you you're off mute. Maybe you have a comment on here because I know you worked really hard in a study group. Yeah, I did, and that was definitely the the best uh, thing I can offer for pre preparation. But I, I did want to make one point just about the conversational thing because uh, you know during our conference, um, Joel during the uh, the Tuesday morning sort of uh, recalibration session where he talks about okay, here's the 
people, the yeses and nos, here's the percentages that we're at, and here's the comments. One of the things that he he mentions, and he'll talk to you guys about this a lot, is when you're doing conversational interviews, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, I guess there's a temptation to just run up and down the court. He brings up a basketball analogy where he says, like, if you're just listening to the person talk to you and smiling and nodding and okay, yeah, okay. Like you're just running up and down the court. So one thing that he suggests is, you know, grab the bat, grab the ball and score a basket during the conversation. So I think that was a really uh, something that helped me when I was thinking about conversational interviews. And so what I did is I wrote a little sticky on the side of my monitor that says, uh, you did that. And so as I'm listening to the person speak, I'm he, they're describing, you're usually describing the job or they're describing the company or they're describing a problem. And so I'm tr constantly trying to think of, okay, I did this. What they're talking about, I did this in the military. I need to find the example that I can then interject politely and say, yeah, you know, this really reminds me of my time as a delivered operations officer where I, I did X, Y, Z. And then you're able to make that connection with them. And instead of it being like, because they're not going to give you like, tell me about a time that you solved a complex problem by working with people who didn't want to be convinced. Like, no, it's, <laughs> you got to create that answer from what they're saying to you. Yeah, they give you the windows or they open up the they open it up for you to score some points. As I used to say, you gotta score some points. And they give you opportunities. And it's like on Monday, you kind of don't recognize where those are. And then you kind of get start getting some perspective as you look back. Oh, right. I got opportunities to score those points. Um, but uh, I think that even doing these sessions and helping people realize, okay, um, I'm going to do conversational interviews, but I guess, so if you're sitting out there and you're, let's say you're in the program, you're coming to June or August. Um, and why should I, seriously, this is even for me. Why, why should I even do my, create my interview answers? Why, what is the value of developing bulletized interview answers? And if I'm just going to get in these conversational interviews, I throw that out to any of the four of you. And part of it is me like, Hey, should we just get rid of that whole thing? I guess I, I haven't talked in a while, so I'll take it. Um, no, so I found it. Uh, so I will, one, back up everything Jason just said. Uh, there, there was a lot of truth in that. But uh, as, as far as what, Joel, what you're asking, so in the preparation and what I found really valuable about the group, uh, about the group exercises and going through the workbook and writing down the answers and crafting it. So I did that and uh, I didn't use verbatim anything. I, I really... I really strayed very far, but what it did was it gave me a structured way to review the experiences I had in my career. And, you know, there, it, it, it kind of forced me to kind of dig back into some of the different types of things I had. Like I was digging back to my platoon leader days, uh, to early company command days. And I guess for maybe this is just a problem that, that, um, that I had because I've been in for so long, but, um, but it, it helped me to flesh out like, oh yeah, I remember these are very, I did do a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I didn't think about it at the time as influencing without without direct authority, but it certainly does fit the bill. And so to have those experiences kind of fresh in your mind, that really helps because you do have to think on your feet a lot. Uh, you have to be sometimes creative in fitting in, right? Because you have to really see yourself in their position. So you have to translate a lot of those experiences into a context that fits that that organization because you you can't just tell a military story and and expect that to land. And really what Jason hit was a really important point, especially in those first, uh, like, I mean, screening interviews is, is one way to call it, that, that those first, the, the actual conference when you're talking to these people for the first time, 
like today in the second round interviews this morning, I was talking to the president of the company. And just before, you know, the reason I'm, I'm underdressed now is I was wearing a suit all day, but I just got finished talking to the chief information officer of a company. They want to make sure you're not going to waste those people's time because their time is extremely valuable. So what they're really trying to see is that, okay, is this person actually interested in, in what we're doing? Uh, and do they have experiences that are requisite, you know, that, that means something to us and that meaning something to them? Um, that's on you. Like that's, that's your responsibility is to make sure that you know your experiences well enough that you can tailor the messaging to, to, to convince them that you're not, they're not going to waste the president of their company's time, uh, you know, giving, giving you an hour of their, you know, an hour of their afternoon. It's really well put, Dave. I appreciate the, the context there. I'm going to throw this one at, at Dorothy, and you can open up to anybody. We'll pivot off of prep for a second because um, we could stay all day on prep. And one of the things that you heard me talk about earlier was this, like, the value of, of variety in your interview schedule. Um, that was my perspective. You just lived it. But from your perspective, Dorothy, what did you like about it? But also, what is that? What's what is that? How does that help you? Do you think now, at least, by having a variety of companies and positions to meet with? So I think this kind of during the conference when I saw my first interview sheet, I was like, "Wow, this is you know so varied. The titles were different. The responsibilities of um, each job was so different. Right? It kind of gives you a real idea after talking to you know the." Um, each one of the interviews, um, you kind of realize like, oh, my skills really do fit in these categories. You know, you really find value in your military experience and how that translates um, in a certain role, right? You know, when I had my first, you know, marketability assessment with you, when I first called up Cameron Brooks, you're like, yeah, I think I asked before I got off the phone, you know, do you think I'm competitive? You know, you just don't know what how you're going to be seen on the civilian side. And Joel's like, yeah, you know, you don't even need to worry about it. Just trust us and you'll be able to see what roles you'll fit into. And I think ha like interviewing with the um, the diverse, I guess, group that I was able to, um, I saw what part portions of the job description that I was like, oh, that's exactly what I want to do. Or maybe this is something I thought I wanted to do, but I now I can't imagine myself doing it anymore. So it, it was really the perfect way to do, you know, a, begin my transition essentially. Yeah, it's, it's just my own experience of 22 years ago this June. I thought I wanted to get into consulting and I was a finance major. I thought I wanted to go to consulting or finance personally. And I didn't really have any interest in sales or anything like that. And they showed me one sales company and uh, I had no interest in finance after it was done for me. Um, and it may have been just the companies I was talking to. And I got super excited about the one sales opportunity. And then uh, for those of you that don't know my story, Cameron Brooks approached me at the end of the career conference and asked me if I'd be interested in, in interviewing with them as well. And so if you ever think about, I never, I never, I interviewed for something I never thought I would go to work for. So that certainly happened to me. I'm kind of in sales now and recruiting. And um, for me personally, there's been some tough times in 22 years. And this is what you don't have perspective yet. And what I think it helps with the do-overs is I've always been able to look back at what I interviewed for and thought, yeah, this is hard, but this is where I want to be. I don't, I looked at finance. I looked at those. I thought I wanted to do them, but then when I have to met with them, 
and talking with they were good people, I realized that's not exactly what I thought it was. And it's not exactly what I really want to do. Um, I'm curious if, if anybody wants to handle this and somebody could say, you can all raise your hands and somebody could take it. How many of you are interviewing in the file with companies you, you never even heard of before prior to the conference? You all are. Yeah. How many of you are considering something you never even thought you that you never even thought you would consider before? So who hasn't talked in a while? Who wants to take that? Tell me what, tell me what's going on. Janice. All right. I'll take it. Um, so one of the companies that I am interviewing with is a company that I'd never heard of that I thought that I was going to have zero interest in this type of work. Um, it's in sales. And after meeting with the company, reading their literature, uh, understanding who they were, it became my number one uh, like most desired company of all the ones that I interviewed with. And so I would say to kind of echo what Dorothy said earlier, um, I think the benefit of this is that you get to meet with companies and interview for positions that you wouldn't have known to ask for. Uh, so if I would have come to Cameron Brooks with a laundry list, I wouldn't have even known that this existed or that it was a, a possibility for me. And um you know, kind of leaning on your expertise really opened up my perspective uh, to to new possibilities. Yeah. What about you, uh, Dorothy? Who are you? Who who was kind of bottom on your list when you got your literature on Wednesday, and now is like at the top towards the top? Well, maybe you don't want to tell it right now. Um, but did, you know, what's your story on kind of changing some paradigms for you? Um, I think. So coming into the conference, I thought I really wanted to go into sales. Um, but then I sat in on interviews with project management and consulting. And I was like, I think I would be much better at this, you know? So I almost flipped over my, you know, pre-conference, my internal, like, this is what I'm leaning towards. And then once all the interviews were done, then I was like, oh, I need to flip this order. Yeah. <laughs> um, almost 180. Uh, because, you know, you might be good at something, but if you can't imagine yourself in that role, you have to be honest with yourself, I think, at the end of the conference. Like, I hate driving. So do I really want to have a job where I'm going to be miserable 25% of the time because it's going to require me to drive? Um, you know, if you can't answer like that with yourself by the time you actually go to rank, um, you know, you're not going to get the most out of the conference. I think you have to be like, actually taking each interview for that's your one interview um, and do that for every single one and give each job a chance, I think. You know, I'm asking all the questions. I don't know if, if the, the chat people are just, the people are just afraid to ask a question, um, but I would love to stop talking. There we go. Um, there we go. Sample schedule looked pretty compressed. Yes, I'm, <laughs> we have not figured out how to decompress. We'll have to hear about how candidates reset and got their headspace right for the next interview. Also interested in some questions anyone got that they didn't anticipate getting. So let's split that into two. Um, so how did you handle the, 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 the compressed nature of the conference? Anybody, anybody want to take that? Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. Um, so I, I think 
you, you had the, the metric earlier, 10 to 13 was, was the average. I was, I was on the 13 scale. So I definitely had a, a very, very aggressive uh, interview schedule. So, uh, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of time to plan, honestly. Uh, so this is where, you know, I, I kind of talked about, this is why that group work well ahead of the conference was so, was so, um, was so valuable because you're going to find out your exact lineup um, Friday before the conference starts, you know, and so you, and it, it, it's probably late on Friday. So you have Saturday and Sunday, but you're in, you're in briefings with Cameron Brooks throughout, throughout that weekend. And then you kick it off on Monday. So if you're, if you're waiting until you, when you get that lineup to, to, to get the headspace, right. Um, like I, I guess and, and in my definition here, headspace means I'm confident that I can walk into any interview I know my stories. I know I, I know how to message my experiences in a way that I can I feel agile enough to tailor it to different contexts, right? That muscle you gotta you gotta flex that during the preparation period. And then at that point, it's just how tired are you? I mean, you, 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 as long as your headspace is set before the conference ever starts, and that's through preparation. And then when you get the lineup, it's like, man, I guess I got I gotta eat lunch now or get a snack ready. Um, and then it's just kind of stamina at that point. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, honestly, I, I had my, my second day, I had seven interviews on the second day. And I think the longest break I had between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. was, I think I had a 45 minute window at one point. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of talking. Um, but yeah, that's why the, 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 the pre-conference preparation is really key to that. Jason, you were going to comment on, do you have anything to add there on best practices? Yeah, well, sort of in the similar vein in the preparation space, you know, you do get the company materials on the Wednesday prior to the conference and, and taking the time to dig into each of those companies that are in your list and just making the connections with the companies itself, I think is a huge way to, to sort of pre-position yourself because digging into the actual positions and looking at the job descriptions, all that stuff is going to happen in terms of your, once you actually receive your actual schedule and then, and then the camera work team is going to walk you through each individual company and position but you know, if you and can get sort of ahead of the game by digging into those company materials and doing your own independent research on all those companies, uh, what you can then do is sort of build in your brain that baseline knowledge of like, okay, I know Eurofins has been around for like 60 years and that they have a, they're a privately held company. Uh, they put patients before profit. They have the best safety record of any cardiac rhythm management uh, in the entire industry. All that stuff you basically have back there. And then it's a simple matter of like you highlight the the crap out of that material and then when it's when you finish that interview you throw you throw away all that stuff you clear your mind you pick up the next one and you just go okay here's why this company is going to tell me yes it's because i identify with their mission i do this and that you've already done that work and just basically like just bringing it back to the forefront of your mind so i i didn't think it was uh, it was really difficult to reset the headspace once i got into the rhythm day two was definitely easier than day one yeah because okay, that, that was me for just like jason said you know if you've been with the program for a while, you know you get the position um, sheet and the breakdown. Those two sheets were in front of me before every interview. And even if it was five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, I literally threw that on my bed and put another one. I didn't put material for that interview. I didn't put, the only thing that was on my desk was inter, uh, interview material for that interview. And just physically removing the sheets of paper once I was done with each interview, um, kind of reset my headspace. So. I luckily, I never, you know, slipped the company name or the, you know, interviewer name or anything like that. Um, but I think you really need to work in that schedule and your study time because 
you know, even if you, it might be the second interview of the day and you're like, oh, I don't need to study for it or whatever. If you don't have a break in between, you have to make sure you study extra hard for that interview because you don't have a refresher time. Um, but if that was my personal experience. I didn't have 13 interviews. I had 10 and even that felt like a lot. You're talking all day. So such great advice. Well, I'm curious on the answer on this one because I'm learning here too. Interesting questions that some of you got that you weren't necessarily anticipating. Janice, do you get any strange or unique questions? I, I don't think I got anything strange, but I did get questions I wasn't anticipating or that weren't in the workbook um, or questions that were very specific. Like I had interviewers challenge me and say, don't give me the Cameron Brooks answer. Um, I want, you know, what does Jenny's actually think about this um, underneath the surface? And I, you know, sometimes um, that was challenging to determine, like, what are you really trying to get at? Um, but I think what we talked about earlier with introspection and just really knowing yourself and uh, knowing what your strengths are was really important because you could lean on those things. And, you know, what I found is that I kept going back to the same two or three, maybe four examples. So I also had 13 interviews and I maybe of all the questions that I answered ahead of time, you know, maybe I had 10 or 15 examples, but what I actually used in my interviews was the same three or four. And I just tailored them to that specific question and that experience. And, um, you know, you can, even those questions that kind of come uh, that you're not expecting, you can still tailor those experiences to answer those. It's great. Did anybody else have any strange questions? I don't, I don't have a strange one, but one, I think a fun question I got was what's the most, or what's something you learned most recently? I was like, I don't know what I learned most recently. Um, there's one question that I got over and over and over again that wasn't in the, uh, the prep was why are you getting out of the military now? Oh. All of the, all of the interviewers, you know, I don't like all of the interviewers know everybody has their own personal reasons for getting out of the military. Some of them are even Cameron books alumni. So I think that part is, you know, the baseline, they know you're getting out of the military, but a lot of them wanted to know why is this time period? Like, why are you getting out right now instead of two years ago or five years down the line? That's good. Um, is there anything you wish you'd prepare more for or known beforehand? That's going to be a tough one because I feel like Cameron Brooks, and we even get accused of being too thorough. So I'd be curious to see what you guys have to say about that. My last interview didn't go very late. I almost thought that I wouldn't have time to like work out or I, I tried to keep as much of my routine as possible. So, you know, as much as we say that like, oh, it, the conference was, you're in briefings all day, you're in interviews all day, you, you do have, you know, a few hours of that day to do whatever you want. It's not like you're out in the field and you have no access to nothing else. Um, so I prepped enough and planned for having almost no personal time. And with whatever hour or two hours that I did have, I made the most of it. Um, it it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time, but not as um, stressful, I guess, as you might think. Yeah. The, the only, the only thing I'll add is, um, as far as 
what I had prepared more for. I, this was, I got some good feedback between, which by the way, I, big, big props to, Cam, to Cameron Brooks for doing a good job of giving you feedback from your first day going into your second day because uh, the companies give Cameron Brooks the feedback and they're really good about making sure that gets relayed to you. And uh, so as far as kind of a mindset preparation is the the counterparties in these in these interviews it's not easy for them either and so they really want you as the candidate to help make this conversational because they want it to be conversational and if they're talking to a robot uh then it's it's hard and i i i i I came out of the gates kind of stiff because i i was kind of expecting them to be like okay what do they want to ask me i'm sure they have all these questions well, yeah, they have questions prepared in the event that you're not talking to them. And, and you know, because I think what they want is to hear you demonstrate how you're interested in the position, how you're interested in the company. And so um, I, I, think it, I think it was Jason earlier that was saying that get out there and take ownership of, of scoring some points early. Like they, they use in the DPP, they call it closing. By the end, I considered it opening, right? I wanted to make sure that I got an interest statement in there if I could during the intro, how is your day going? Like I, I wanted to have that like, oh, hey, by the way, what Johnson & Johnson is doing right now in the robotic space, uh, it's amazing. It's super impressive that you guys are doing these kinds of huge capital investments um, and you're trying to grow that aggressively. During the intros, I tried to get one of those in and that set the table for the rest of the conversation. Good. Does anybody want to handle what the post the, the follow-up processes look like and timelines so far, what you're experiencing? I'd love to talk about this, Joel. Um, <laughs> okay. So it was, it, it was different than what I thought it would be. I thought it would be, you know, you come out of the conference and then by Thursday or Wednesday, uh, you have everyone sort of lining up their schedules with you and you know that you're going to be busy for the rest of the three weeks. It really didn't happen like that. Um, I, I had some companies uh, immediately getting back to me. Um, literally the next day I had someone from one company who was a a rep in South Texas call me up and say, hey, I'm driving to El Paso, Uh, when can we meet? And I'm like, whoa, you're not even in my top group. Like, uh, well, let me call Cameron Brooks and work back with you. So you have to be prepared for um, a little bit of chaos in the beginning because everyone is trying to synchronize like a hundred million different schedules and Cameron Brooks is trying to be the middleman and, and being able to organize that to fit your needs and make sure that you have as many interviews happening at the same time as possible. And really, so it, it felt like it felt like for a little bit of time there that nothing was happening. Like Thursday and or Wednesday and Thursday, it, felt, it almost felt like nothing was happening. And then on Friday, all of a sudden, everything happened, right? And all of a sudden, it's you know I have to now schedule out the rest of my three weeks, and and um, so it happens really quickly. So you just got to be prepared to be flexible. Um, make sure you keep the schedule as clear as possible, and just. I think the other thing too is, you know, when you finish the conference, there's a, another a sort of temptation to think, oh, I did it. No, you didn't. You know, you, you, you did part of it. Now you got to finish, right? So that's the critical point. Now you're in the last hundred yards and you've got to close with, and, and, you know, to use an infantry term, to close with and destroy the enemy that, that you're still, you're still working. So keep yourself like fresh, keep studying and, and you'll, you'll be able to make it through the process. And I, you know, I, again, the Cameron Brooks team does a fantastic job of preparing you you get another brief uh, uh, before each of your follow-up interviews where they're going to talk through a bit more about the specific feedback that you all got during the conference uh, as well as some other connecting points that maybe you guys weren't hitting during the conference and that's great information for you it's, it's just pure gold um yeah so 
just stick with it and just keep fighting, like keep fighting. And I, you know, was fortunate enough to where I'm, I've actually gotten a, a commitment to an offer within the first week of these follow-up interviews. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, we've run up on the end of time. Um, it's, uh, um, I can't express to the four of you how proud I am to, um, yeah, really to work with you and just makes me think about our team and you all choosing us and, um, thank you for being here and sharing your story. I am, feel great. makes me feel like we're doing great work here at Cameron Brooks because you guys are impressive. And um, I want to thank you for taking an extra hour of your follow-up time this week. I know you guys are super busy to do this, to share your knowledge. And again, thank you to all four of you. For everybody else that's here participating, very easy to reach out to me. It's joel at cameron-brooks.com. Um, reach out to us at any time. To the four of you that were doing this, good luck with finishing the rest of your follow-up process. If I don't talk to you, certainly you can reach out to me at any time um, that you guys need anything. Everybody have a great night. Uh, Jason, Dorothy, Dave, Janice, once again, thank you for everything. Good luck to you in the follow-up process. Hey, thanks everyone for uh, tuning in getting some of that good perspective. Hopefully that was helpful. Um, next episode in two weeks, we are going to have a conversation with Patrick Harper. So if you remember from our last conversation, our last podcast, the Frequency Ask Questions Part 2, Joel had mentioned Patrick, just kind of randomly, uh, an, an officer that we helped transition seven years ago. And out of the blue, just total coincidence, I got a call from Patrick late Friday afternoon. And so he and I are recording a podcast tomorrow. And basically, we're going to talk a lot about his career, where he's, where he's at, what he's up to, how he got there. So we'll do that on the next episode in two weeks. If you, have, if you want to know more information about us, check us out at our website, CameronHyperBrooks.com. You can find us on all you know, major social media outlets. If you want to contact me directly, hit me with an email. It's my name, Pete, P-E-T-E at Cameron-Brooks.com, or you can reach me here in the office, 210-874-1500, 210-874-1500. All right, until next time, you guys have a great day.